This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 140. And the quote of the day is, the reason why people give up so fast is because they tend to look at how far they still have to go rather than how far they've gotten. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And this session is brought to you by DW Drums. And as you know, I've been playing DW for years. Not only do they make great drums, but they also support and foster drumming initiatives like this podcast. And this podcast is 100% free thanks to the great folks at DW. So do me a favor, please. Be sure to thank them at DWDrums.com or message them on social media. This podcast is also free thanks to the good folks at Promark, makers of Select Bounce. Select Bounce is a new way of building, typing, and choosing drumsticks. Choose the length, balance point, taper, tip, and material that creates the perfect stick for you using the Select Bounce system, only from Promark. Be sure to check them out today at Promark.com. So I've been noticing that there's a lot more downloads of the podcast lately, and I appreciate that. Uh, Thank you so much for everybody out there. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for checking it out. If this is your first time, welcome. Be sure to check out the rest of the the sessions. There's, you know, this is the 140th session. So there's a ton of great information on here, but I want to say just thank you for checking it out. If this this is your first time or you've been listening to it for a while. And if you want to get a copy of my ebook, Stick Control Variations, just head over to drummersresource.com and you'll get a free ebook called stick control variations, which is 11 creative exercises to help you with your speed independence and your chops. And that's just my gift for, for joining the web, for joining the website, joining the, the mailing list. So head over to drummersresource.com for that. And I want to give a shout out to, to my OG listeners, as I call them, like Jeremy Schreifels and, and Jeremy Bailey and Jeremy Simpson. Those are the Jeremy's, I guess there's like a, there's a reoccurring theme, uh, Wayne street and, and a bunch of other guys that have, that have just been listening to the podcast for, for, so long, uh, Max Senate. Thank you so much, man. And just, I'm going to be shouting out to all you guys, uh, moving forward just because I appreciate everybody. I appreciate all you guys listening and the old school cats that have been with me, you know, since day one, I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate the new guys, the old guys, but just, just sincerely thank you for, for checking it out. We're at 140, and hopefully there's another, you know, thousand two thousand three thousand more to go but i just want to say thank you for checking it out to the new guys to the old guys i appreciate it and let's get into the interview the interview that i have today is sean paddock and sean is the drummer for kenny chesney and this is a great interview conversation that we have because we talk about you know the the realistic look at someone who's on tour with somebody at this level playing you know major stadiums and things crazy story about how he got the how he got the gig it's uh, i'll let him tell it but it's it's really really interesting and he just serves up a lot of insight about about what it's like to operate at this level. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, he's he's still a, an artist. So which is great to hear. So without further ado, let's get into it with Mr. Sean Paddock. Sean, what's going on, man? Thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Hey, man. Yeah, no worries. Glad to do it. Um, glad to be here. Glad that we got this hooked up. And uh you know, I the, the audience always knows that that I like to get the backstory of my guests because I want to I want the people to know for those of you who don't know uh, about you and what you do to to come inside of your world a little bit so they can understand where you're coming from before we get deep on some conversation. So just tell the audience a little bit about about who you are and what you do. 
of who I am, what I do. Well, I am a drummer percussionist. I've been living in uh, Nashville for the past, oh, 19 years. Uh, came here from Phoenix, Arizona. I actually grew up in upstate New York, but I lived in Phoenix for a little while, but came here um, to check out Nashville, you know, a few, uh, golly, almost 20 years ago now. Uh, started real young, you know, uh, in a family band, basically. Oh, nice. <laughs> a musical, fa- musical family, you know, that, that grew up around it, rock and roll, whatever, um, was playing on the record player, but mom and dad always had music going on, whether she was singing, you know, 60s folk songs or on a, on a guitar in the living room or uh, if dad was out playing clubs on weekends, I'd just, he'd, he'd allow me to go hang out with him and, and watch and, you know, eventually sit in. <laughs> so you were know? your parents professionals or were they, were they? Uh... Yeah, they were uh, professional musicians. Like, yeah, like semi, I guess you would call it. I mean, right. What do you They had their day jobs during the week. Mm-hmm. But they play every weekend, you know, and sure, they get paid to play clubs and dances and make a, you know, money. And, and my dad actually did it for full time for a little while. Um, actually went on tour. Um, but they were, there, there was, you know, they were always making extra money doing it, I guess. If you want to call it professional semi-pro, I guess. Right, right, right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely, there, you know, there's a gray area there always because, you know, it's like if you're a professional, you get paid for it. So, yeah, I'm a professional, you know? Or Yeah, or, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, you... I would say they were perfect. My dad more so than, than mom, even though they played in bands together and they went and out and played in different clubs and venues, you know? And, mm-hmm. And, you know, and regionally in, in upstate New York and dad eventually, you know, making our way to Arizona and dad hooking up with uh, you know, musicians out there and in and, and California, too. So. Right. So when you, you were mentioned being in a family band, was that you were playing in a band with your with your parents or brothers and sisters? Yeah, I, I say family band. I'm a, I mean, I kind of spit that out, you know, but it was I don't think we had a band per se. There's been moments where we'd all be up playing together so we just kind of you know kind of a family band because mom's saying dad plays bass you know i'm the, the drummer mm-hmm. my my brother is a guitar player my uncle was a guitar player and singer so there was we could all sit in and play music together as a, as a full rhythm section you know nice. so were they did they, uh, whose decision was it that you would play an instrument? Was that yours or theirs? Um, I think it chose me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it was me. And I took two drums. I guess it's kind of a common, I don't know how common it is, but it, it, sure, it, it went from banging on pots and pans with wooden spoons to mom and dad buying me a set of drums on my fourth birthday, you know, giving it to me on my fourth birthday. And just kind of taking right to it. Nice. You know, I mean, they, I think I mean, don't remember much pre the age of four, but they tell me stories. You know, right. <laughs> like my uncle would be there, and it would be around the kitchen table. And my uncle would tap out a beat, 
you know, and I'd be there in my high chair copying them, doing exactly what he did, you know, back at him. So, right. The I think they the figured out lessons. I had, yeah, I think I, they figured out that I had some natural rhythm and they were like, that's buying a set of drums. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case anybody can hear this extremely loud noise in the background, they're, they're, they've been doing construction uh, outside of my studio for about three years now. Literally, oh, wow. literally three years, and they only make a lot of noise when I'm doing an, a podcast. So it's, it's kind of <laughs> I weird. I can't even tell. I, can't I even feel tell. like Where I have you? like my the podcasting schedule hanging out the window, so they can look at it, and they're like, oh, "Okay, eleven a. All right, let's get it started." It always happens. Like you know, it, it, I'll have something to do around here, or my wife has something to do, and we get going on some a task, and like. It, like as soon as nine o'clock hits, the phone starts ringing and ringing, and it's like, okay, this it's the hour. Here right. we go. Right. Something <laughs> happens, or the birds start squawking. You know, we've got these parakeets. <laughs> you know that we got three parakeets, and they live in a cave, but they start squawking and making loud noises whenever we get on the phone. So I get it. <laughs> it's just the way it works, man. You know. The well, way, where you know, are you? Are you in New York? I uh, I am, I'm called. right outside in New York. I'm actually uh, my studio's in Hoboken, so I am. Uh, so I don't know how familiar you are with it. Well, you live. You're you're from upstate New York, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm in I'm in Hoboken. I'm one subway stop from Midtown Manhattan. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Familiar, very familiar. Yeah. Been there. Yeah. So uh, actually, I was just up in upstate New York uh, not too long ago. I went to Cooperstown. So. Oh man, yeah. cool! Did you go to the Hall of Fame? I did. That's really the only reason why we went up there, just because uh, I'm a huge baseball fan. I've never been in the Hall of Fame either, so. Oh, cool! It's I went as a kid. Um, like our coach, I played, you know, like little league or whatever, and our coach took us down there in a bus. It was like the coolest thing. Awesome! I was expecting it to be a lot different than it was. I thought it was going to be like you know a huge parking lot, and they're sort of like leaving <laughs> you in to park and everything. And it's like if you blink, you'll miss it. It's huge inside, but yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's it was it's definitely really cool. Definitely cool. It sure, looked bigger when I was a kid. You know, if I went there, I'd be like, oh, this is it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's big once you get in there. I mean, there's like you know five floors or whatever, and it's it's pretty amazing. Uh-huh. And uh, we have just transitioned into the uh, the baseball podcast, and we're going to be talking. <laughs> we're going to be talking about uh, Stan Musial. Let's talk and, baseball. What's that? Drums, music, rhythm. Eh, let's yeah. talk baseball. Yeah, let's. So people are like, man. See, we fooled everyone. We thought that they we were going to talk about drums, and we're just going to talk about baseball and and cooking, and I don't know. What God well, knows. they're related. They're related. Yeah. You know, it's. There's wooden bats. things with a with a piece of wood, you know. Yeah, I totally. Agree. <laughs> uh, so so, uh, getting back into the the drum conversation. Uh, sorry yeah. to the listeners for going off on that tangent a little bit, but no man, thanks for loosening it up. That's that's good. It helps. That's hey man. That's what we're that's what we're here for, man. We're just we're we're just here to chat. So. Uh, so the, so you're getting these, the sort of these informal lessons and you're kind of, you're, you're growing up, uh, in this. And at what point were you, were you like, man, I really want to get serious about this. And I want to either, you know, did you take lessons or I always love hearing the, the, the journey because everyone's is different. So there's no surefire way of, Oh, I did this and then this and then this, and that's how I got to here. And you know, everyone's story is different. So I, I like offering up different objectives so that people can sort of pick and choose. Yeah. I think I mean, as a kid, it was somehow important to me 
to to do this. I don't I don't know if there's any kind of vision other than like being a kid and you have you know crazy dreams and stuff. You always dream as a kid about what you want to be, whether it's a fireman or a drummer or a rock star or a police officer or a lawyer, you know, whatever. Right. And maybe in that, I just happened to already have chosen my instrument. You know, it was just there for me. I was, I didn't, how much thought was put in it other than I got to get home after school and go in my room and play drums to a Beatles record. Right. You know, I just, I, I wanted to pick up on that. It, it piqued my interest, interest. Like, what are these cool parts? You know? Um, and why does it feel so good? You know, mm-hmm. I want to do it because it feels so good. <laughs> so it was never like, I want to be a rock star. It was more just like, I want to play drums. Maybe a little bit. I think maybe like discovering the Beatles may have done that. Like, right. oh, you know, I want to be the Beatles. I want to be Paul McCartney. So you know, honest that, question, do you, feel, do you feel like a rock star now? No, I do not. No? No. No? Okay. I, I figured I don't, I I don't, I don't consider myself that. I mean, I consider, I mean, as I, as you mature through age, you just want to be better, you know, and supportive and, you know, what, what, what are your, what are you trying to accomplish or what are you trying to get to musically? Right. You know, maybe, maybe as a teenager when you're coming up in garage bands and playing in bedrooms with bands and. I may have that dream of like, you know, maybe we'll get a record deal one day if our tunes are good, you know, let's just keep writing. There may have been that kind of thing, but I think it changes over time when you, when you mature or mm-hmm. whatever your people want to call it mature. I <laughs> <laughs> change, you know, I think yeah. it was just like, I want to be, I want to be a little bit better at it than what I do. And then hyper focus on, um, what areas you want to be in, be in, you know, mm-hmm. do you, you know. well, the reason why I, I think, asked that is, I think I, it just, go yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that there's, I remember a, uh, a quote, someone asked the bass player from the band fish. If he felt like, a, if he, you know, does he feel like a rock star? And he said, you know, when I'm playing in front of 25, 30,000 people, yes, I feel like a rock star. He was like, but uh-huh. when, I walk out of Walmart. He was like, I just feel like a normal dude walking out of Walmart. You know, yeah. he's like, I, d- I don't feel, he's like, I feel like a rock star when I'm in that position of standing in front of all those people. Yeah. I feel sure. Yeah. You, you know, it's kind of hard not to, but like when I wake up in the morning, I'm not looking in the mirror, like, Oh, I'm a rock yeah. star, <laughs> you know? Yeah, man, that's healthy. I, you know, that's a healthy way to be. I mean, you, mm-hmm. it's, you're, gig and your job you're going to and you feel like a rock star and it feels really good that you've got 20,000 people cheering and you're helping cheering and you're seeing bodies move to the group you're playing it means a lot I mean like it, it, it's moving yeah you know exactly I mean when I come home I'm I'm dad I'm, I'm husband I'm dad I take out the trash right. you know I'm like <laughs> what can I do for you to, you know it's I don't look in the mirror and go, "Oh, hey, Rockstar, how you doing?" Exactly. I can I can go with with that absolutely, but right. I'm, I feel fortunate, and I'm glad somebody thinks that I'm good enough to play on the level I'm playing. I you know, uh, but it has, but it hasn't ended there. You know what I mean? I right. don't feel 
like a rock star. <laughs> Just, I'll bring up one more example, which I think is funny, which you, it reminded me when you said, you know, I get home and I take out the trash. Uh, I remember watching an interview with J- DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince that just won a Grammy Award. And they yeah. come home and they go to, to I guess, uh, Jazzy Jeff's mom's house. And mm-hmm. they sit there and they're like, you know, they just won this Grammy Award and they're like on top of the world. And his mom hands him $5 and she goes, now go down to the store and get me a can of yams and, and something else. And he's like, Mom, I'm I, I'm not. And she's like, get, 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 get. he's like, boy, get down there, go get him. And he's like, you know, right back to reality. Like, you're yeah, still you're my son. Right. Go get the yams. That doesn't give you the right to, you know, <laughs> right. upstage your mom. No way. Right. Whatever mom says. <laughs> it's just funny. It's like this, you know, just a funny story where it's like, you know what? We're all human. It doesn't matter what we do. But uh, you know, it has to. I mean, I've played in front of twenty five thousand people before. Um, mm-hmm. not on a regular basis, like, like you do, but you know, I've done that before and it, and it's amazing feeling and I, but I, it has to take some, some maturity and some respect for the instrument to not let that go to your head. Yeah. You know, well, here's some reality too. I'm a side man. Right. You know, I am not the rock star. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kenny's the star. I'm not. Guy, you know, I'm maybe in the spotlight and have some perks if we manage to get a pretty good gig, you know. Right. But you know, the reality is, I'm not. I'm a supportive player in that, and I may have made some own my own little niche somewhere in a musician's world, working for an artist, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm not the artist. In my own right, I might be because right. I'm a creative. I'm a creative person. Sure, but um, you know, I, I, at the end of the gig, I, I, I go, I, I warm down, and I change clothes, put on my ball cap, I go to the bus, I watch the Weather Channel, and eat a slice pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, it's like. Uh, it's, you know what I mean? I'm not saying it's pizza. I'm just saying. Like, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I'm on side, you know, and I call my wife, I check on my daughter, and, you know, I just. It's not. You know? Yeah. It's not. It's it's a, a job to go do. I mean, it's a good job to go do. And right. I don't treat it like a job that I go to. It's pretty fortunate to do it. But sure. Sure. It isn't, you know, and it feels good. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just. The boost. Sure. Yeah. So let's talk a little yeah. bit about the the uh, th- that journey because I love I love the journey. I love hearing the steps of how to get there. And you know, on the podcast, we really focus on not you know the playing aspect of things because I think that's a given. You know, that's you have to be able to play well to be in the position that you're at. But there's a thousand great, there's a million great players out there. So what are the steps that you took to actually, you know, go from playing in these garage bands to, to making it to be playing with, you know, playing with huge artists and playing, you know, on these major tours? Mm-hmm. Well, it's still a journey. Sure. You know, yeah. Uh, with the steps. I took. Well, you know, I've started working at a young age and being, I guess maybe playing in clubs and playing with the family just helped me to learn songs and how to play in a band. You know, what it, mm-hmm. what it feels like to 
play with a bass player and a guitar player. Uh, I've learned that way, you know. Right. It, 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 later on, it turned, you know, rudimentary. But uh, I think at first, that's what I learned. It's like, what's it feel like to play a simple beat with a band? Um, you know, or a Beatles song, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, or a Creedence song. You know, something, you know, what's it feel like? What's the ensemble feel as a whole, you know? Right. Just being a part of that. I think... I, I learned that early on. I don't know if it was conscious or not, but it just felt good to me. You know, I don't consider myself, you know, um, a solo artist. I mean, there's plenty of good clinicians and solo artists that have tons of information. You know, I, I mean, I, I do like to keep my chops together, but, you know, I think, I don't know. I, my dad told me one day, he's like, you, you know, you need to listen to more than just what you're into at the moment, you know, Right. which meant, you know, put on a, a country re- record, you know, do not be, you know, there's somebody that are above it or whatever, you know, it's like, no, it was, there was a, there was a kind of a mix of stuff going on in my household. You know, it, it was anywhere from Gino Vanelli to Emil Harris. You know, I've, I've said that before, but it just what it means to to play in a band, you know, a band mm-hmm. player, really, yeah, yeah. an ensemble I've, of some sort, you know, make it the the the, the sum of the parts, you know, just mm-hmm. creating make, the the greater good rather than just yeah, for the greater, yeah, you know, that's kind of where where it started, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's always been it, you know, and it, and I gear towards players like that, you know, that I've sought out in my heroes, you know, what, what are they all about, all about? They're all about that too, you know? Right. Right. You know, I, I get so many people asking about that, about, you know, how, how did you, you know, learning to play, learning to play with a band and, and why are people getting hired versus other people? And this guy has amazing chops and why is he not getting the gig or, you know, why does he not have a lot of gigs? And, you know, I think it comes down to what you're saying is that you gotta, you gotta, or I know that it comes down to that. It's, you have to serve the greater good. You have to, you have to play for yeah. the music and, and, and not for your ego. I remember talking to James Gadsden he said, you know, you got to learn all these styles of music, even the ones you don't like, like you're saying, you know, you have to at least know where these come from and, and understand yeah. what these tunes are so that you're not this guy that is only a rock guy and you're not just, a you know, a, a, a one-sided kind of player and that's all you can do. And you're like, Nope, I, that, I play rock. That's it. That's all I can do. Yeah. Listen as much as you can, you know, so many, you know, a few that have grown up with and, moved on from who, who considers itself only a certain kind of player, you know, here I am, you know, you know, growing up in, in high school and all my friends are rock guys and getting out of high school. What, what am I doing? Going to, you know, to join, to join a country band. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm the only guy like that. I'm, I'm like a freak, right. <laughs> you know, right. but maybe because of my background, you know, I, uh, just a musical family, you know, I put go, you know, you gotta have some roots. Um, 
go play one four five music, you know? Right. Yeah. So I and I, I got to ask. People didn't want to do that. Some people did not want to do that. Really? You know? They just didn't. Yeah. They didn't. Want, they thought it was. I don't know what the, what they think. Beneath them. You know, if it was corny or if it was below them or whatever. If it's not, you know, hard and fast. I don't know. Not, I love hard and fast. You know, don't get sure. me wrong. I listen to everything, but I don't know. You know, you look at somebody like like Steve Gatt or like James Gatson or, or any of those guys, you know, or Ndugu Chancellor or, you know, any of those guys. One, they can play everything. And, yeah. and but look, two, at, look at Steve Gatt. Okay. okay? Favorite, my favorite. Mine ever. too. You know, um, look at how much different stuff he can do. You know, he, he can, you know, burn in a fusion band. But you know, play the most simple thing and have it feel so good. It's about you know the pocket with him. It's not about abilities. You know, you you work on your abilities. You need a tool shed for that out loud. You know, but it's not about blazing the, chops. <laughs> the, yeah, it isn't. It isn't. Right. You know. Right. I love players like that. You know that you know they got it, but it's like. The shuffle is deep, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which most people don't know, even know how to play a shuffle, which is pretty sad, too. What happened to shuffle? Where did it go? I don't know. It's coming it's, back. It's coming back. I it's coming still, back. But it's Soon. still, it's there. I mean, it's in everything. Yeah, it's there. I, I, my mentor growing up, a drummer, uh, his name's Glenn Farrakhan, told me, he goes, if you look back at any real great record, Every great record has at least one shuffle on the record. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, which is crazy. It's like there. It's it's the shuffle, man. It's I don't. Yeah. Whatever form it is. Yeah. You know? it, it doesn't matter. Halftime. You know the the flat tire shuffle. <laughs> the, yeah. The, there's, uh, there's all kinds of different yeah. forms. You know, something that has a triplet swing feel to it. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't. I mean, and to me. You know, that's the basis of everything. Everything's based off the shuffle. And maybe maybe it's a, a lost uh, a lost thing that's coming back. I hope it is. But it gets mimicked a lot, though. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's trends, you know. And, you know, things have straightened out over the years. But, you know, there's really, it's, yeah, it really has straightened out over the years. You know, if you go back and even listen to a Ringo or Charlie, even, in, you know, that stuff just had a slight wobble to it you know yeah. what i mean yeah especially ringo it even, it even had a little swingage to it you know yeah and, well because you know somebody like you know somebody like ringo and charlie those guys they their idols were jazz guys you know and they were yeah. that's what they were yeah. listening to so that's why yeah. they play the way they do and it's strange all the time but even if you listen to like really straight ahead guys like a phil rudd or whatever there's still a slight bit of you know wobble to it you know mm-hmm. if it didn't it wouldn't it'd be a machine you know <laughs> right right you know that's but, a lot um, of the stuff ha- sounds like that now in my opinion and not to like you know not to blast anybody's playing or anything but no not at all and it, it, it needs to be that right now i mean you know this is just what's happening mm-hmm. it, it, it's not i'm not you know putting anything in any box i'm just you know things you know, uh, ebb and flow in yeah. this world. It is what it is, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, you know, you know, 
I don't know the favorite favorite of mine is Richie Hayward. That dude was just all grease. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Just nasty. Absolutely nasty. So I gotta ask anyway. about uh I heard I heard a crazy story that you just went down to Nashville to sort of like check it out and heard that that Kenny needed a drummer and went and auditioned and got the gig. Yeah, where'd you hear that from? Uh, word around the campfire. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've read it somewhere. Yeah, it's semi true, man. It really. So, like, you just went down for the weekend and just happened to get the gig. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That probably pissed people off. But, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, Good for you, man. Schlubbing it out here that, you know, that a killer way better player than I am, but, you know, uh, I just, yeah, here's what went on. I had, had my house gig in Phoenix, you know, I was working, but I was working, you know. Mm-hmm. And, so um, before, like, before you well, get into it, I apologize for interrupting you. So at this point, were you uh, were you doing like major tours and stuff like that, or you you were more of like yeah. a regional local player? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, no tours. Okay. Um, playing, you know, the Valley area. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, house gigs, freelancing, you know, doing whatever they allowed me to do there. You know, making a modest living doing it at a young age. You know, fortunately. You know, uh, there was a club out there called the Handlebar J that I ended up working at that uh, kind of led here to Nashville because there was, you know, some Nashville ties and it was a famous club. Um, it kind of led me here. Mm-hmm. But the, the the trip out here really was the band I was in with the Herndons. Um, I, they, you know, took a week off every summer, you know, sometimes in July or something like that. So I just booked a, you know, a flight to Nashville to stay with a friend and and uh, just kind of drive around Nashville and see what it's about. I, you know, maybe I want to come here. Yeah, know, I was going to ask, were you thinking about moving there? Or? Yeah, it was more like I'm thinking about moving here. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, I'm going to come here, I'm going to dig in and see what will happen, you know. But I came here to check it out and was driving around town and ran into this guy who, you know, told me that, this, you know, that this guy, this drummer quit in Kenny's band and I'm, you know, I'm like, well, and he was like, are you interested? I go, well, I might be. Yeah, who do I talk to? <laughs> you know? So he passed the info to me and I talked to their band leader and, uh, you know, I, I had to go to an audition and I went to the audition uh, a couple of weeks later after I talked to this guy. It was kind of a weird thing. It, it was. Was it like a cattle call musician? Or uh, cattle call? Yeah, audition? I think it was a, a little bit of a cattle call. You know, I'm not sure how many players I listened to. Five, mm-hmm. six, seven. I guess a cattle call would be like line them up outside the door, but they right. had a few players that were recommended and then they had to listen to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, um, what was I getting at? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so I was back on oh, there was a guy in the band, the steel, the pedal steel player at the time. And Kenny's, he was playing with Kenny. So 
somebody I had known. Ah. And see, this, 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 it was weird. I didn't even hear about the gig for him. It was bizarre. Um, I heard about it through the monitor guy. <laughs> but, um, but I knew that Blue was in the band, and, um, and Blue, his name's Tom Morrison, but he has, they nicknamed it Blue. But, um, so Blue had played in a group with my dad based out of Phoenix, Arizona. Really? Yeah. That's cool. So they traveled the country in a van together, you know, playing with, uh, how do you know who Merle Brigante is? You ever heard of him? I don't. If you're familiar with Logos and Messina... Yeah, 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 I know long as you're familiar with Merle Bergani, the drummer. Oh, so okay. Dad had been playing with him for a couple of years and did some touring with him and his wife, Sarah Pierce, and they were doing crazy gigs all over the West and up and down. Um, and maybe I think they were playing with John McEwen at one time uh, from the Navy Dirt Band. Anyway, I'm going off on that tangent. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, this is weird. I'd like this steel player that my dad knew, and I found out about this Kenny Chesney guy gig that through the monitor guy, guy that I just met who just called off the bus and told me that the drummer quit. You know, uh, then there's this guy that uh, wrote a song that I play with in Arizona that has a semi hit with Kenny right now, so it's like. I had it surrounded and didn't even know it. Nice. <laughs> and, and then the stars aligned. So it was kind of that, you know, but I was told about the, by, by the, I don't know, maybe it was, maybe they knew I was coming. I don't know. But, uh, it, uh, it just went that way, man. That's like Tommy Tensley told me about it. And, and I'm like, you know, I don't know. Let me have a shot at it, you know? And mm-hmm. so I got the material and went back to Phoenix and, you know, listened to the material over and over again and called Blue and said, hey, man, what guys, what songs do you guys play the most? What one should I concentrate on the most, you know? He gave me, like, a small list. I'm like, yeah, do this, do this, do this. And I just kind of did it, listened to it. And went in a couple weeks later. or booked the flight back to Nashville to the audition and, you know, asked me when I wanted to go down the road. So when could I start? Actually, the first thing they said to me was like, "Yeah, man, that's really close." <laughs> <laughs> oh, like okay, here we go. The new guy they're going to break him in early. He didn't even have a gig yet, but like. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long after the audition did you find out that you got the gig? Yeah, so it was a couple days after. You know, nice. Did you freak I out? I think they. Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, I was just like, "Well, how am I going to get there?" For one thing, I'm, I'm, you know, because how am I going to start this gig? I've got to, I've got to give the band I'm in now, or two weeks at least, two or three weeks, mm-hmm. find somebody. And so I, I mean, I told them that like I got an obligation here. I need to finish this out. So I don't know. Three weeks later, I was driving up to. Denver, Colorado to go play a gig with Ken Chesney uh, at the whatever the club that was. Grizzly Rose, I think, was the name of the club. (laughs) 
So was at the time when you joined him, I mean, what, what level, what level was he at? Club level. Yeah. Uh, uh, opening act level. Okay. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like you were joining Kenny Chesney now. No, no, I was, I was just kind of like, it was kind of like a, you know, a wing and a prayer for me too. I'm like, eh, you know, let's just see what happens. I'm young enough. This falters. I can only go back to Phoenix and find work elsewhere, you know, right, but right. I had not have any idea, you know, we just, I was just in it to work and play really. Right. Um, didn't think about it and didn't know any rules. I didn't know there were rules. Maybe there isn't, but just in it to play and be, you know, around it. I just wanted to be around it. That's all, you know. Nice. It's in, it's it's cool to. I'm sure it's cool to see the the progression because I know like like Rich coming up with uh, with Jason, just mm-hmm. you know slow. He was like, man, we would go and do you know bar dates with nobody there, you know, yeah. and now they're playing in in stadium. So it's it's kind of cool to see. Uh, that progression, and I'm sure that it, it, it's a cool ride to sort of ride that all yeah. the way to where it's gone. To see yeah, the power of what you can do. Thing. Same kind of thing, you know, playing the club and then working your way to bigger crowds and, you know, eventually doing small, and just seeing how smart they did it, you know, on, from my, you know, general uh, perspective, you know, of my mm-hmm. small perspective, seeing how smart they took it, you know, they did it you know, there were some parts like, where well, is this thing going to go? Is this thing going to go? But then they they started small and took big, you know, little chunks on the way there, you know. Right. They eventually, you know, were doing opening acts for, you know, Alabama and other these other kind of semi-large bands at the time. I don't know. There was a few. You know, we were warming up McGraw and George Strait and, you know, doing that and then eventually they put it they put the act in headlining in, in nice theaters you know mm-hmm. 3,000 seat three to 5,000 seats I guess theaters or whatever how big they are and then putting the tour together that way which was neat you know it was kind of like practice on a, on a, for the bigger production you right. know it was real nice venue nice acoustics a small production package carrying our lights and sound they built the set so we can kind of put the, a show together that way. It was neat. It was kind of, that was right around the time I started leaving the band. But um, I, it was kind of cool to see how smart they did it, you know, or just the gradual maybe, build. I'm, I'm guessing they did it, you know, smart. <laughs> I'm sure there's a little bit of luck and a little bit of prayer and some smart thinking and all together, you know. Mm-hmm. I, well, the thing that I always thought that that's interesting about Nashville is sort of is the the Nashville touring system that that everybody mm-hmm. does there. Yeah, and like I mean, guys, um, I, you know, like if you're leaving out of L.A., it's like you're gone for you know a year. Yeah, and so talk about the talk about the touring a little bit, just for how how you guys do like sort of the weekend thing for those of the, those of the listeners who don't know the touring. Uh, uh, yeah, man, it's kind of based on leaving for the weekend and coming home. I mean, there might be a six, 
to eight month tour on the books are scheduled. And uh, I typically on a tour up, I'm leaving home on a Wednesday or Thursday, going to my Thursday, Friday, Saturday gig or Sunday gig, you know, and then I'm home on Monday or Tuesday or Sunday morning. Which is not a bad system. It's not a bad system, and I don't know if it just kind of ended up this way or if someone said one day, like, hmm, I think it should go this way. From what I Rich was telling pe- me... People wanted to be, be home with their, you know, families. <laughs> yeah, who was it? Uh, uh, it's two guys... Uh... It, I, I don't I forget. I can't think of their names right now. It's a it's it's two big country guys that are out now. Um, I can't remember, but they were they were sort of getting bigger and they said, OK, well, now you want to go out. You got to go out on this big tour. And they're like, well, we're not going to do that because we have wives and kids and, and all that. And we're in Nashville, so we can pretty much get to anywhere within, you know, within yeah. a, a, a drive. Yeah. So we'll just tour when, you know, we'll leave, we'll take a bus call at midnight and then, and, and do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we want to be home. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty centrally located. It's a good mm-hmm. hub, you know, right, right. So you can get on a tour bus and for eight to 10 hours and wake up, you know, pretty far away from Nashville, you know, right. And tour accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, you might, if you're out on the West Coast or like way up north in Canada or something, you might be gone for a couple of weeks. Right. Do you guys do a lot of fly dates though? We don't do fly dates. Yeah, we'll fly out west. Yeah. And possibly meet the bus out there. Um, they may be, you know, they might take off a day or two ahead of time. We'll fly out, you know, mill around the West Coast for a little while on the tour bus, and then get back on a plane and come back home. Right. You know. And we, it might end up like that, something like that, mm-hmm. you know, give a day, you know, a day or two or whatever, but there's, there's some flying. Yeah. It's just an interesting way of doing it. I think it's smart, especially leaving out of Nashville, because like I said, I, so many of my friends are gone for a year or two years, or, you know, like Brian Fraser Moore was on, t- on tour with Justin Timberlake for like two and a half years straight, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. maybe a couple of weeks off, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Which is tough. Well, uh, yeah, it's just set up this way, you know, and it's cool, it's smart, you know, most of, well, I, well, I can't speak for everybody, but I know on a personal level, having a family and a person that likes to be home, right. um, this works for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I don't get the, it just, the sound of being off for two years straight doesn't sound good. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it, but I like what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm yeah. home with my family. I can kind of come here and do my duties here, you know, right. Every, every week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? And I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to be gone that long and keep up relationships and, and all that stuff. You yeah. Know? It's like, and, and, and Hey, it's, I'm not saying this isn't, hard thing to do either this way. Right. It's, it's probably might be a little easier because it's a little of a roller coaster, you know? Sure. It's still a challenge. You know, you're out on the road. It's, it's, you're 
things are taken care of for you. Your transportation is taken care of. Your your food is taken care of. You're out there. You're told where to be. Your schedule is made for you, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part. You know, you can break later in the day and go do stuff. But, um, but it's basically that for you. You come home and, you know, your wife has a system. She's like on the go. And you're like this guy that comes home every week like, okay. <laughs> what about like, me? Where, where's catering? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what about me? And, you know, what do I do? I don't know what's going on because mama has got the machine working here at the house. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and then a weekly, it's a bit of a roller coaster. It's kind of up and down, you know. And it, there still is that, it, like, when a tour ends, it still takes a little bit to get that off me, you know, and get back into the groove here. Even though I'm home once a week, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's, it, I mean, it's kind of a wobble and I'm just kind of wobbling to and fro. Yeah, man. So <laughs> I actually, you know, I, I, speaking of all of that, um, I wrote an article the other day about, about, you know, following your passion and, and, and career and sort of the ongoing struggle that, that goes on inside of every artist of, you know, the sacrifices that need to be made to do this as, as a profession. Um, and you know, everything in life is a sacrifice, but I think being a musician or any artist, um, there's sacrifices with money. There's sacrifices with schedule. There's sacrifices with, you know, stability and, and things like that. And I've noticed that there's, there's two kinds of people. There's, you know, one that, the one type of person that says, I don't care about anything else except playing. And, you know, as long as I can make enough money to sort of live, then I'm fine. But I, all I want to do is play. And other people are in the, in the school of, I love playing, but I also love other things and I want other things too. Um, and, and I feel like a lot of people struggle with that. What's your, what's your take on that in terms of passion and career? And and, I'm very passionate about what I do. Right. But, you know, maybe early in age, it's all that mattered. You know, um, I decided I wanted a wife and family, and those things matter now. Right. You know, but I'm very, I mean, hopefully it shows that I'm very passionate about what I do. Right. And, and that, I guess that wasn't, I wasn't saying that you either are or you aren't. It was more of. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I, I, I think I don't want to misconstrued to anybody out there that you know once you your focus changes or, or there's different focuses in your life you know what I mean that mm-hmm. you're not any less of a player or a team player or whatever it is or less of a drummer you know I might even be met in many ways better because what I have to come home to you know and that I have hobbies that I'm not so obsessed about my instrument you know i'm very passionate about it and i can be very obsessed about it and want it to be the best it can the best it can sound and you know my best playing and you know I, I, I'm, I'm geared that way i just am you know was right. this was this take the best one? Oh, i could have done it better you know like there's always that part of me but i think you do and, and maybe as you grow older but because you know the, the, the older i'm getting uh, the more you know, you need other stuff to do. You know, you just. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can't. You gotta have something else to do to enjoy what 
it is that you're passionate about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Take a breather. Yeah, I agree. You know, and don't put it down, but it's like you got to have a hobby or, you know, or a, a sport that you like. I don't know. I, I took to cycling, you know. Oh, me too. It's exercise. It gets me away. I mean, I just, I, it's my other thing. I mean, I'm not as passionate about it, but I like it. Right. But it gets me gets in a different headspace, you know? I think it clears your mind. You have to, you know, I don't know if that answers the question or not. But, no, I mean, that does. I, you know, for I was me, all in. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I was yeah. all in. You know, yeah. like, this is all I want to do. I don't care what I make. Right. You know? But right. The, the financial front has changed a little bit, you know? Like, I have a family of mouths to feed. I got to work, man. I got to work. I got, no matter what it may be, and hopefully it is music. Um, and it will be music, so that's all I know. Right. Um, and I've made that decision, and it will be music, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, as long as God allows me. Um, but your focus has changed. You know, you have kids, things get a little different. Right. You know? You know, even in this article that I wrote, I said that, you know, for for me, I know that I'm and I'm I love playing music. I'm a professional player. I have been for years. You know, I've toured, I've done all that and I love it. And I'm I'm ridiculously passionate about it. That's why I started a website and a podcast about it. I mean, I love playing. I love everything mm-hmm. about it. But I'm also equally as passionate about about business and about entrepreneurship, which is something that it's just in my DNA. That's just the way that it works. Right. And yeah. I know that if I didn't have some element of that in my life, no matter how much music I was playing and no matter, you know, at what level I was playing at, I still wouldn't be completely satisfied if I didn't have those other elements going on in my life, right. you know, yeah. which I kind of felt bad for. I, I kind of felt bad for it for a little while. Uh-huh. You know, it was like, am I am I a bad person? Because I, you know, like I'm not getting everything out of music. You know, I'm a musician, I'm an artist. What, what will people think of me? And then, then I realized that every, you got to do what's right for you. Yeah. You're right. It's it's what I do. It's all I do, but you've got to, you got to breathe. I mean, you've got to, you you do, you got to have that other thing to make that thing that you're passionate about even better for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I've seen, I mean, just tortured people over being so overly stimulated and into and obsessed about what they do. And I can go there. I can go there, you know, for the personality that I am. Right. But it's healthy for me to, you know, get on a bike and go for a bike ride for a couple hours. It really yeah. is. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, for me, I think that I would, if I had to choose between like building uh, businesses or, or drumming to do for a career, uh, I don't know. I think if I had to pick one or the other, luckily I married the two, but if, if I had to pick one, I'd probably be business because I love playing so much that I would need that for my escape. Yeah. You know, like I would need, Mm -hmm. I want to, I don't want to suck the enjoyment out of it because I, I do love it that much, you know? And yeah. Yeah, and it's like it almost becomes your your sanctity and and your uh, yeah. your your escape. It's kind of the thing. It's you know it's it's what I do and it's not who I, it's not who I am. It's what I do. You know. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Just an interesting take on it because I think about it a lot, and I, for some reason I've I've been getting a lot of questions about that. You know, like people are like, well, you know, I want to I want to 
you know, I want to make a ton of money and, and, you know, I want like a beach house and, but I can't, but I want to play music, you know? And I'm like, well, you need to, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, you got to figure out what, what works for you. But for some, I don't know why, but recently I've been getting a lot of questions about it. So I figured I would, I would pose the question to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. You know, I don't know the formula, you know? Right. <laughs> I don't think anybody does. It just worked for me, you know, and, and I'm in to what I do, and, and I love gear. I love tinkering with sound, and you know, I'm really into it. But um, it could really turn into an addiction. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yep. yep. Yeah, my uh, the guy that I practice with, Dylan. Uh, his name is Dylan Wissing, and he I've had him on the on the podcast. But he's a, a gear head, and he even admits it. He's like. Man, sometimes I've, I just got to get away from all this gear. I mean, he's just—he knows all about it. And he researches it and does all this stuff, and he's like, "Oh, I bought another drum set today." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like I could—I went through that thing, you know. And I still look at it, but it's—you know—some little choice, little vintage pieces. But right, I think I'm good for now. You know, I, my focus now is more towards studio equipment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so what is the uh what's what's the plan moving forward? What do you have on your on your radar that you're that you're trying to do? Um I just I think build a bigger client base for recording, you know, or I mean but that entails a lot, you know. I think it's a creative environment I'm seeking, you know. Whether it be my own material or something I'm collaborating with, or if I'm playing on somebody's session, or you know, I think it's just being in a creative environment and and and, and propelling that. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's not about money, even though it is. <laughs> but it's, right. I think I feed on that creative environment, whether it's a quick, you know, three-hour session, or if it's a band collaboration if I'm writing you know I think there's mm-hmm. a there's a stimulating thing that for me I start missing that if I'm on the road and playing the same songs over and over again you know sure. so I think it's more about propelling the, the, the creative side you know a little more you know mm-hmm. so are you building uh, your studio is it a like a remote room or is it a, a full yeah. room yeah it's it's yeah it is I've, and I've put together golly I'm been a while now. It's hard to believe it's been like eight years ago. By but I built this studio, you know, thinking, oh, I better, I need to get on this bandwagon. You know, eight years ago, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like starting to surface. And you can buy your own little Pro Tools rig, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I need to get on this. And so, um, and it's grown since then. You know, you learn a little bit more. Because I didn't go in as an engineer; I went as a drummer. You know, setting up mics, which is simplest form, but. Mm-hmm you learn a little more engineering, you know, tricks and you learn gear and better gear and what preamps to get, what mics to use, different mic position and what works for what, you know, man, I, you know, I get into the studio and I could, uh, you know, I don't, I'm kind of like, I could, I couldn't care less if I never come out of this place. You know, I'm just like, once I get in there, I'm like, I'm a studio rat. I could be in there for, for days on end and it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, I, I love it actually. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it can be, if I'm doing it remotely by myself, it can get, you know, 
you know, collaborating is, is a different, it's kind of a, you collaborate different if it's a collaborative, right. collaborative type thing. You're just kind of like either emailing back and forth or talking on the phone, you know, but it's simple enough to, you know, play drums or, or not simple enough. It um, depends on what you get, but, you know, hey, Sean, can you do a drum track for me? Sure. Couple right. takes, here you go. You know, mm-hmm. they can choose what you want. Or, or, you know, what are you looking for? And you do your best to, you know, do what's on their mind. I, I do <laughs> but, like the, uh, uh, I, I definitely like the collaborative environment more than, you know, the, the solo yeah. stuff. But, well, I shouldn't say yeah, that because I, I haven't done, I have, I, I haven't done like a ton of remote session so I can't I guess yeah. I shouldn't really say that but I do love the yeah, co- I like side of it. I like it you know and I hope to do more of it you know and I, I've done quite a bit of it I've got a project waiting for me right now in, in my inbox that I need to get to maybe either later today or sometime next week you know I like it you know but when you're by yourself and you're and you're you need to bounce you know, ideas off people sometimes, you know, they can mm-hmm. be a little isolating. It's kind of funny sometimes, sometimes just flow out and they're great. And sometimes they're like, what are you looking for? You know, sometimes <laughs> when they flow out and they're great, you send them off. They're like, Oh, Sean, can you do a little more of a, you know? Right. And then there's that back and forth. It's interesting, but it's really cool. The fact that I can do it here in, in my slippers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I, I mean, I treat it like work, like I get up, shower, dress up, go to my studio, and go to work in my studio. But uh, I don't know. It's fun. <laughs> Good. It's fun. That, that's, you know, at the what, end of the what, day. What's been a little bit fun of it for me is discovering some of these, you know, engineering, you know, habits. Right. Yeah. Figuring all, just diving in and tinkering and figuring all that kind of stuff. Yeah, out. tinkering, moving buttons around and doing stuff. And, you know, this works this way. This sounds good. This sounds bad. Right. This sounds bad, but it's cool. It works, you know, like, you know, uh, and then you can delicately ask your engineering buddies, you know, any tips for me? Right. I, I love the idea of like, oh, oh, wait, that's how they do that. Or that's how this thing works. Yeah. Or, oh, I didn't know it was that easy. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I, I when I started podcasting, I knew nothing about podcasting, nothing at all, and had no idea how to even start. So figuring all that out was was really cool. It was a little frustrating, but it was it was cool. You know, like just diving in head first, and it's a total different world. But learning all of that stuff, yeah. and you know, learning the the audio side of it, and then publishing it, and all that stuff, it was cool. It was a it's a it's an interesting process, man. I think it's the you know, some they always say that the the opposite of sadness, or the opposite of happiness, isn't sadness; it's boredom. So, you know, yeah. if you feel like you're progressing at something, you know, that's all that that people really seem to want. So, for me, like learning mm-hmm. all that stuff, it's it's progress. You know, yeah, which yeah. I dig. So, do you uh, outside of the the session stuff? Do you do private lessons or anything like that? No, I, no. I mean I. I have, but I haven't done private lessons. No, in a, in a while. Um, I think it, if I could get paid for a kid to come over and we can put on a record and start listening to it, that'd be my lesson. You know, sure. 
It's a good lesson, though. Uh, it'd be a good lesson. You know, but I don't know. I, I don't never. I don't know how good a teacher I, I am, you know? Mm-hmm. Might be. I just haven't gone down that road, you know? Right. I've done two clinics, and that, that interests me, you know? And as far as on the educating side would be clinics and just kind of displaying what you do. Right. Kind of. Right. Um, and taking questions. But sitting down and being that guy about technique and, and you know, movements, I don't, I don't know. It's I don't not know me. I get it because it's not me either. I don't it's... know if I'd be fun at that. But I, I think it's very important because it was important to me. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I'd be that, that, that guy, you know. I, I've had wonderful teachers. And I think picking up stick control is very important. You know, but I don't know if I'd be that guy like, okay, let's go through page, you know, practice page three through seven, right. you know, and right. come back and sit there with your hand in the correct position. You know, I would be more about, you know, vibe and groove and, you Conceptual know. Conceptual stuff rather than. Yeah, later on, like, yeah, like, listen to this. How does that make you feel? Let's try to get that, you know. Right. I, I you, totally but you, agree. But you man. need the fundamentals. You got it. You, you know, but to groove and, you know, you don't. There's so many drummers that aren't technically proficient that just it just feels damn good, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Man, I think that a lot of people teach and uh, who are not good at teaching and who don't really enjoy teaching and they do it just for the money, which I don't, I don't really dig. So, you know, I was, yeah. I taught for a while and I had like, 18 students and I was like you know what mm-hmm. I'm not really getting a ton of enjoyment out of this and I so I felt yeah. like I, I was doing a disservice to them too and I'm the same yeah. way you are I'm like can we just sit around and like listen to stuff records and like listen to Steely Dan we can I'm cool with that mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but to come in and and sort of come up with like a, a formulaic way of of teaching you know through books and all that it's just not not my thing man so I I totally get it I totally get where you're coming from so if people want to learn more about you or, or, or connect with you socially, uh, how can they do that? Um, I suppose they can Facebook me. You know, I think I have a website come up soon, hopefully. Oh, cool. But I can be reached on Facebook. You know, I have a page there. Or they can email me. Hire them um, for some sessions. Yeah, I mean, you can call, you can get me at sunnydrum at me.com, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'll link to that on the uh, on the the show notes for the podcast, so that people can yeah yeah can get in touch you know, with you. I'm for hire. I'm for sessions. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't have any major like, social media out there. I think I have a Twitter account. <laughs> Somebody's helping me out with it, but right. I need hey, to man, be a little some, more savvy with it. Some people know? are into it, and some people aren't. So that's yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm learning it, you know, but I'm on Facebook every day. Right. Well, I will make sure that I link to at least your Facebook and and then also to uh, to your email and all that stuff. And I want to thank you personally for for doing this, for taking the time to chat on the podcast, man. And I know that that the listeners enjoyed it. A lot of people have been getting me or asking me to get you on, which is super cool that that you were willing to do it. So I appreciate it, man. I appreciate what you're putting out there into the to the drum world, man. Thank you so much. Oh, man. My pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Good talking. I, there seems like there'd be more. I got more. You want to call again? 
<laughs> Dude, we could do it any any time, man. We should do we should do something live, like when you're when you're in town, man. Maybe we can sit down and chat. Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. Well, awesome, man. Thank you so much again, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great weekend. You too. All right, bud. Thanks. So there you have it, Mr. Sean Paddock. And for everything that we talked about in the podcast, you can find at drummersresource.com forward slash session one four zero. And if you want to get that ebook, Stick Control Variations, to get 11 creative ways that you can improve your independence, your chops, and your dexterity, head over to drummersresource.com. That's my gift free to you. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. Check me out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash drummersresource on Instagram at drummersresource on Twitter at drummersrsource. If you celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope that you have a wonderful, safe, and happy holiday. And I'll talk to you next week. Peace.